0: Hello, everyone. My name is Hank Suttala. If you don't know my face, uh, I'm one of the members here at Holistic Health and Healing. And one of the things I I jokingly had an inspiration for this past Sunday was uh, to start something called Stir Crazy Shaman. Since we're all kind of indoors and kind of stuck, uh, just to offer a little bit of um, just... Just a little bit of content to hopefully brighten people's day and talk a little bit about shamanism. Sometimes it will be just me or sometimes we're going to have uh, people on just like we have Casey here, who's one of my brothers on the path. I met him years ago, just in passing at Goddess Elite. And uh, that was that was it for years. And then all of a sudden um, reconnected with them just in time for our upcoming Shaman Apprenticeship Program. And Casey is also um, going to be offering some uh, meditation things virtually through the center. So I thought it would be a great opportunity to have him on, uh, let everybody get to know him a little bit. And Casey, why don't you give a little bit of your background about how you got into this crazy world of shamanism?
1: <laughs> thank you yeah it was uh, it was pretty amazing it was a seemingly chance encounter and uh, a lot of synchronicities around meeting you years ago leading up to me continuing my training um, but i have been practicing various shamanic practices uh for over 10 years now um i uh in high school sort of went through one of those um rebellious like atheist phases where i was if you had any kind of spiritual belief whatsoever um, you know, I was going to argue with you and prove through science how you Thanks. were wrong and, uh, and how I was superior intellectually or whatever. So spirit had other plans for me. <laughs> and um, uh, I just kind of had all those switches uh, that we have as far as our ability to perceive energy, spirit, all that uh, sort of very abruptly switched on and um the experiences i was having like near-death experiences out-of-body experiences seeing energy and spirit uh, were so powerful and sudden that i didn't know what was going on um so it caused a lot of chaos for a while but then i started to study and one of the first things i came across was uh shamanism and how a lot of people having this sort of powerful experiences i had uh, were people who were called to the path of the shaman and um so uh I'm the kind of person where I'm very hands-on and direct experience-based. So rather than spending hours and hours uh, researching in the beginning, which I later did, um, hmm. I just decided to jump right into shamanic journeying and try it for myself. I found a little book um, at, that described the basics of how you can, you know, start to journey, and I think I got like a quarter of the way through it, and I'm like, okay, I'm just, I'm doing it, and uh, so I started journeying. Yeah, this is over 10, 12 years ago, um, and uh, My first journey was right off the bat, pretty powerful, connected with um, uh, one of my first guides. And um, yeah, I've been very fortunate to have the close tutelage of not only my spirit guides, but a lot of really powerful uh, in-person human teachers. Uh, as well, and um, people and and spirits have come along at the exact right times in my life when I needed guidance and um, uh, just continued to push me down this path, the path of the healer, the shaman. So it's been a wonderful ride so far. Yeah.
0: One of the things that I really loved when I saw one of your online events recently, it was a whole demonic journeying with uh, the energy of frankincense, which I think is something that we'll be hosting soon. And it resonated a lot with me because in the carol tradition, uh, the tradition that I initially learned, they don't believe in plant medicine at all. They believe it's actually something you don't need. And that it's all about the frequency of the plant or the frequency of what you're working with and kind of falling into that tone of the plant or that vibration of the plant that you're working with. And uh, it resonated a lot because you, we're offering this journey class to people uh, without the need of any, any mind altering or anything like that. So could you speak a little bit about how you create that space of being able to enter into uh, that frequency of, of whatever you're working with to, to have that
1: experience? Absolutely. Uh, so whenever I uh, interact with a particular plant medicine, the first time I'm working with it, I do like to have some physical form of the substance, but that does not mean that I need to actually ingest it. Uh, uh, So one way I really like to work with certain plants is through uh, essential oils, Um, and uh, uh, I would typically either put some on my pulse points or just inhale the scent, somehow connect physically with it. Uh, But then it's a matter of, again, just tuning to the frequency of the spirit of that plant. And what I do is enter into that trance-like state that it's a focused, relaxed state of mind that we use to do this kind of work. Uh, And then I call on the spirit of that plant to enter into my space, my energy field, my body, and work with me and teach me. Um, And after calling on the spirit of that plant to work with my body and my energy, uh, it's a matter of just sort of quieting the mind and then allowing spirit to respond and often it responds in in very dynamic ways for me um you know i I traveled to other worlds with these plant teachers and uh, they have some powerful lessons in healing for me um so that's sort of what i uh, was um, the goal of the uh, workshop the uh, shamanic plant medicine series is to teach people how to work with plant medicine uh in a way where we are interacting with the spirit and the energy of the plant, which I believe is where the real medicine and power lies, instead of just this sort of, um, you know, pop a pill, take some essential oil, whatever you do, drink some tea, and then run out the door. I don't think that's the right way to interact with plant medicines.
0: <laughs> right, and it's also um, when I first started getting some uh, some of the things that I work with. Before I would even attempt to have an experience with it, I would let it sit on my altar, and I would just kind of introduce myself energetically to the plant. And in the tradition that uh, that we practice, the Caro tradition of the Peru, the Paco Kuna tradition, uh, basically the way to do that is you take the uh, you take whatever it is that you want to introduce yourself to. I, this is just a little crystal, that I'll use for demonstration purposes, and you would hold it by your navel and just have the intention to let your physical body come into resonance with it. You would hold it at the heart that with the intention of your moon eye, which is a combination of your will and love to come into resonance with it by the head. And then when you bring it down to your lips, you you introduce yourself by saying no kenny, William Henry Setsala, ayu Manta, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where you're basically saying, this is who I am. This is where i come from because we believe in, in the carrot tradition anyway that the feminine and masculine nature spirit of your birthplace holds the blueprint for the perfect you so you're basically in a way saying this is who i am and here's where you find my blueprint of who i really am who am i am aspiring to be and through this process like you do the sacred high wild which is a baby's breath of intention and just breathe it into the leaves or whatever it is that you're working with and it's your way of energetically introducing yourself to the plant and then there's other ways where we call the plant into us so it's uh just I want to offer you something from uh, what I've learned of of how to introduce yourself and start connecting with plants like that.
1: Absolutely. I love it. And this is why I'm really excited to do the apprenticeship is um, uh, so much of my experience, be it working with plants or or shamanic journeying or or, or whatever I'm working with has been, um, you know, uh, taught by the spirits. And so I haven't learned a lot of the uh, ritualistic um, side, the way that uh, at least you know, the traditional ways of, of, uh, interacting with plant spirits. Uh, so I'm really excited to learn more about that. And I find all this stuff so beautiful. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, um, uh, I, I think that, uh, um, we don't need, uh, any particular specific ritual. I think that's an important thing to sort mm-hmm. of, um, it's not about the specific of doing it this certain way with the following step-by-step. Step. Uh, however, I do really think that, that using ancient practices like you're describing can be a really powerful way to um, prepare the space for you mentally and spiritually, and also whatever medicine you're working with, be that a plant or a spirit or something. Absolutely.
0: So, In the ultimate side path, they say that the whole goal is to get the student to really do everything from their heart. Yeah. And uh, they will tell the story about how uh, one of the Pacos did a despacho and he told the student, okay, now do it how I did it. Right, so the student tries to do it exactly, and the teacher comes up and just knocks everything off the whatever, the rock that they were working on, goes, no, I told you, do it how I do it. And they try again to duplicate it until they finally get to the point where they say, screw you, I'm gonna just do it my way. And then they say, now you got it. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't trying to get you to replicate, he was saying, do it from your heart. Like how are there spirits talking to you to do this? But that you get at these templates that you can use until you start to have that one-on-one relationship with spirit. Uh, give you these these tools where it lets you get into the space where it can become where you're, where it's intuitive, like riding a bike. At first, you got to think about everything. And then eventually you just know how you need to turn or you sure. know that that speed trap's coming up because yeah. you, you're just listening then.
1: <laughs> so, I, and I know a, a big thing, and sometimes I forget how much work I did put in uh, years ago in the beginning, but even just entering into that, well, I call it the trance state. Um, and And it's just, it's a very relaxed and yet focused state of mind where we do this kind of work journeying, connecting with plants connecting with um, different spirits for the purposes of our own healing or gaining insight uh, we work from that trance state and um, uh, you, like you said you you train and you practice over and over and over again to the point where it's just second nature like i when i'm getting ready to journey or do any kind of shamanic work uh i you know i lay down and or sit down and i'm i can enter that state and i'm there i'm off traveling um but i i I sometimes forget how much work in the beginning it took to just be able to train myself to to lower the brainwave frequency to get into that state, and um uh, so yeah, it's, it's it's very helpful to have techniques and and ritual in order to help ourselves get there in the yeah. beginning, especially and and
0: science to help with that. So uh, one of the things that people don't know, uh, I go by the name Sonic Shaman because I have hundreds of tuning forks, and since we're talking about kind of brainwave frequencies and get data state, uh, there's There's something called binaural beats, and you can actually use the scientific technology, if you will, to help and train your brain to go into a theta state or go into an alpha state. And you can Google it. There's all kinds of different MP3 files out there. But basically what it's doing is it's sending a frequency into one ear. You have to use headphones when you do this. Or if you have tuning forks, uh, like something like this, one of them might be 250 hertz, one of them might be 258 hertz. And because you're so close in, in pitch, your brain will actually take the difference. So the eight cycles per second or whatever frequency you're going after, you're using two frequencies just slightly apart to create this binaural beat in the brain. And it actually helps and train the brain to go to a particular frequency. And you can even play with that and go to different levels of theta. And each level of theta seems to have little nuances of what type of information you get or or what specific um, knowledge it has for you.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, uh, I remember there's a a wealth of that stuff out there. And I remember back in the day when that information binaural beats were just sort of uh, coming online as far as um, being available for free on the Internet. Uh, I remember you could, you know, if you really looked, you could find a couple of videos and a really poor explanation of how it worked. But now it's everywhere. You know, you go on YouTube, there are thousands of videos, it seems like, of binaural beats for specific frequencies, specific intentions. Um, It really is amazing. Also, something really fascinating I've always wanted to play with. Maybe you have, uh, but I have not gotten the chance is um, I think it's called um, uh, binaural. No, not binaural. Uh, something feedback, biological feedback, I think it is. Was it just biofeedback? Biofeedback, yeah. So uh, basically you're, you're, you have some sort of visual or audio cue um, where you put something on your head and it measures your brainwave frequency. And as you go down past beta and alpha and then theta, et cetera, you get little beeps or sounds uh, that tell you which, which type of frequency you're in and uh, so that way you know there's no guesswork am i in theta really or am i you know where am i it, it gives you speci- and then apparently in doing that you have that feedback so your brain is like really easily able to get to specific uh frequencies <laughs>
0: well, so i would be worried i'd be too uh focused on where they are and i would you out of theta and put me in the alpha or something like that and, like, <laughs> Um, For those of you just joining us, too, this is not necessarily supposed to be me and Casey just talking. Um, You're welcome to interact. We can see your comments. If you make a comment, I see Mike just, uh, we call him Magic Mike. Uh, He just tuned in saying hello, hi, Mike. But if you have any questions or if you have something that you'd like to offer as a contribution to our conversation, feel free to put it into the comments. Uh, We're happy to to speak to that. but with the biofeedback machine, if anybody's interested in that, on our website, if you go to hhh.life, uh, Dr. K, who is one of our affiliates, she is a medical doctor who also has uh, a biofeedback machine and is into homeopathy. She's truly like the holistic approach to everything because she's got the traditional side of things plus all the holistic stuff. But she actually has one of those machines, and you can uh, call her for a consultation and see what all that would be involved. Uh, what would be involved with? Uh, it, she doesn't use it for just that intention she can hook that up and like see the deficiencies in the body what would be the greatest contribution to you so it's, those machines are great it goes way beyond just brain waves um oh, wow. so check that out if you're interested we have to have a practitioner at the center that does it so very nice shameless plug for one of our other people. <laughs> well,
1: that's very cool i mean i'm gonna have to take advantage of that that's awesome yeah <laughs> Cool,
0: anybody out there have a question or anything or we'll continue to to talk for a bit and see what comes up. Oh, one thing I did want to offer for kind of falling into that space for myself, what I had noticed, I would find, I would get these real high pitched tones, especially like if I was uh, asking to work with a specific energy, I would start getting these tones. And I, I found that if I just laid down and I had the intention, like a diver falling backwards off a boat, like when you see those divers with the big tanks on, falling back off the boat into the ocean, I visualized myself and intended for myself to fall into the sound. And when I did it in this way, I found that I would just be off and uh, having an experience somewhere uh, with the energy and that would work with um, like frankincense, like you were going to be doing or pretty much any medicine. And when you're, when you're calling things into uh, the way that we do it in the carol tradition, you would say something like "ahaya," which means attention or victory and praises, the name of what you're calling in. So frankincense ump we ump we bring your healing here and in this way you could actually call upon the energy of your worst enemy and only bring the healing that it has for you so it takes any fear out of working with any particular energy because you're in the space of only receiving contribution for your possibility for your healing uh, from whatever you're working with so it's a really beautiful way to to call in energies without the fear of what you're calling it
1: and i think that's um there's a lot to be said about that uh you know there are certain really powerful plant medicines that people work with okay and just on the topic of plant medicine um, that a lot of people are very intimidated by and uh, I I think they don't realize that um, you know you don't have to physically consume that plant by just inviting the spirit of that into your space like you said you can you can walk with that spirit ally and have just as powerful an experience as you can ingesting it Um, but like you said you know you're 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 able to I think more easily filter out uh the uh um the aspects of that plant that you don't want to interact with. Um wow. and uh, uh oh, do we have someone okay. No. Oh, there is
0: okay. uh, someone outside going through a door but I didn't think it was that long, long. <laughs> Um
1: but uh so again I really uh so I'm going a little bit off topic, but um well, there is to... no topic so you're fine. <laughs> sure. So um Uh, uh, to speak a little bit on the importance and how powerful it is to connect with the spirit of a a particular medicine as opposed to just consuming it and not really mindfully connecting with its energy, there's a really wonderful and fascinating plant medicine called ceremonial cacao that I've worked with. And uh, I think most people are familiar with cacao as um, the ingredient we use to make chocolate. Um, And ceremonial cacao is... uh, It's essentially the same plant, but it's the heirloom cacao as it grew out of the earth and and hasn't been bred uh, over the years to be resistant to parasites, so it's higher in certain beneficial constituents. And also it's the the completely raw form of that plant uh, where they haven't processed it to remove the fat from the beans. Um, And the process of doing that destroys, again, all these beneficial constituents. Um, But so it's a much more uh, dynamic plant medicine to consume ceremonial grade cacao than it is to just, you know, take a tablespoon of raw cacao. Uh, But even doing that, um, if you were to take ceremonial cacao and uh, drink it, and then you realize, oh, crap, I've got to be out the door right now, and ran out to, you know, work or whatever you had to do. Um, you may notice you feel uplifted, uh, a little more energized, uh, but you probably wouldn't have too much of more of an experience than that. Um, but if you take that exact same dose of ceremonial cacao uh, in and consume it and consciously call in the spirit of that plant to work with you um and uh, it, and really energetically connect with it using some of the techniques we've been talking about it goes from being just this mildly uplifting sort of energizing experience to almost like it can be almost like a psychedelic experience for people really powerful and healing and uh, people have visions and, and all kinds of things um so uh for me, that really speaks to the importance of connecting with the energy of the plant medicine. But again, we can throw that back into what we're saying. And, you know, without, uh, you know, you, you can skip out the physical part, but still call on the spirit and still have a powerful experience like that.
0: Even something as simple as chamomile tea, I'm, my my wife, uh, uh Scolded me for this, but I taught my kids how to call in spirits and things like that. So they'll be getting like a chamomile tea at night, and they're holding it. They're going, "Omply, omply, omply, chamomile tea, omply, omply, omply." And she's like, "Why do you teach them that?" But but they're really they're they're not just there for the tea. They're saying, "Hey, I want to I want to bring it more into this than just consuming a tea." And it really makes a difference, even if it's something as simple as your your nighttime before bed tea, or if it's um, your morning coffee. Why not take a moment and call that in? And under that same um, premise, for my smokers out there, as I know we got smokers, and uh, you know, if you if you're not going to quit. Think of tobacco in the northern tradition as this amazing prayer plant. It's an intention plant, and so if you're smoking, focused on all the things that you're stressed about, what are you asking the plant to bring more of to you? Because your your attention goes where energy where energy flows, where your attention goes. So if you're going to smoke, um, sit there and look at what what am I going to focus on? What possibilities could I create in my life while I am having this experience with the cigarette instead of you know just feeding my addiction to make a craving go away? And while you're while you have that habit. Uh, you can actually shift it into being a contribution to you potentially, uh, and bring things into your life, than than
1: just help
0: uh,
1: taking away from your health. Tobacco is—it's it, such a fascinating topic to me because it has become this very taboo sort of plant in uh, modern. Western culture, uh, but it really is such a powerful plant medicine. And like you said, traditionally, it's used to send prayers up to great spirit, uh, you know, and and they correct me if I'm wrong, but most of the time, they're not actually inhaling it when they when they in the sacred pipe ceremony.
0: I don't believe so. Like I'm not trained as much on the northern tradition than as I am in the southern tradition. And in the southern tradition, we have monpacha, which is like tobacco, and it's used um, in certain ceremonies to make it like an alcohol infusion with it and use it in different ways. Mm-hmm. But um, but I believe the Northern tradition, you're right. It's a pipe and it's about, you just bring it in. And it's kind of like what we do in the South tradition where you're you're doing a charged breath of intention. You're like, you're putting your intention in that smoke and you're breathing it out and letting that lift up to the upper world is how I, I believe that they use it.
1: Yeah, the way I, from what I understand, it's as they bring the smoke into the mouth, it's the, they sort of package the intention inside of the smoke to be, like you said, carried up to the upper worlds or great spirit. Um, but it really is a powerful tool for manifestation, and for those who, ha- I mean, anyone who's worked with um, tobacco in a ceremonial, spiritual way, um, I mean, I think anyone can attest to how powerful tool it is for for manifestation. Uh, so, you, like you said, when people are just sitting there unconscious, and when are people smoking? Right, it's on their smoke break w- at work when they're stressed, or when they just got home, or, they're, or worse, when they're drinking, and who knows what kind of mental state they're in. <laughs> And uh, and again, they're using this powerful tool for prayer and manifestation and thinking of all this horrible crap. And then those people wonder why these terrible things keep happening to them.
0: (laughs) And on the topic of why, when you ask why to the universe, the universe gives you the same thing that brought it to you in the first place. So you end up in this feedback loop. So why is one of those questions you ideally would want to remove from your vocabulary? There's like six things to remove. Just to throw this out there as another takeaway today, you want to uh, not say why. Cause it's a victim question. The word, but, uh, cause you negate everything you met, said up until that point, linguistically like, Hey, Casey, you're a great shaman, but like, <laughs> that, <right? laughs> I'm just joking about that. But that's what, the word "but" the Like we say that to your wife, like, Oh, your hair looks lovely, but like, you know, you don't really like her hairdo. Right. So there's why there's, but there's try, try means you're not going to do it. Right. Need as an infinite being. Is there anything that you really need? Or is it all illusions because of separation but we're really one so is there anything as an infinite being you really need and then the final one is want uh, because the energy of the word want back in 1940s before they changed the definitions is to lack and if you say i want money you say i lack money when you say i don't want money you say i don't lack money so think about rich people they say you want for nothing you lack for nothing that's what that word means so be very mindful how you use it and the sixth one that i throw in that isn't part of the original list is the word perfect because if you decide and conclude and define something as perfect, if it turns out not being perfect, then you either have to make yourself wrong for, for being wrong or you ignore all the things that aren't perfect and stay in relationships and situations far longer than you typically should. I
1: right. think also with the word perfect, you're putting a cap, right? So you've gotten there and okay, yeah. now, it's, now it's perfect. So it's never going to get any better than that.
0: Right. <laughs> oh, that, that's, that's a whole nother thing for perfect. I, I usually use it as the opposite, way. but great. Like, so if you say this is as good as it gets, now you're saying to the universe, I'm not willing to receive more because this is it. I'm great. Right. But uh, you always say, how does it get any better than this? What else is possible? And the universe is happy to show you how it gets better. So whether you just stubbed your toe or you just won the lottery, how does it get any better than this universe? And the universe says, here you go. This is how it it gets better.
1: And that exact type of question that you just brought up, how can it get any better than this, is really powerful for retraining your subconscious mind. Um, uh, The subconscious, when it comes to manifestation um is is where all the power is you know the the conscious mind can only do so much the subconscious is really uh what uh is doing far more work in the background than most people are aware of uh so one way uh you know the the subconscious mind doesn't really want us to sort of break out of our current paradigms it's trying to protect us and keep us from thinking the way that we are so for example if a person has a particular idea of um uh, like what they're worthy of financially a lot of people don't feel like they're worth a million dollars for example. Um, you know they're only worth 10 bucks an hour uh, and um, uh, the subconscious mind again it's we, regardless of whether or not consciously you think that's a good idea the subconscious is just trying to protect that current paradigm. So if you ask some of those questions like uh, you know um, what what will I do when I have all of this extra money? an open-ended question like that, then the mind is, the subconscious is forced to look for an answer, right? Because the subconscious can't filter out um, questions. Uh, any question that is given to the subconscious mind, it'll work to find an answer. But if you ask a specific one, like, um, you know, uh, something like, uh, I'm <laughs> having trouble thinking of a specific question now. Um, okay, where, uh, well, the
0: question's easy actually. The question you always ask is what energy could I be? Because beingness precedes doingness. So if you go to ask, what am I going to do with all the money I'm going to have, you're 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 getting to the, the end point of expressing your being the screw doing, but the question is what energy could I be? And anything that doesn't allow me to be that, let me have it in my awareness so I can change it. And that's really, that, that question can roll for pretty much anything you want to actualize in your life, not manifest actualization. Is that something shows up? Manifestation is how it shows up. And if we are too focused on the, how sometimes we handcuff the universe out of the million ways it could have given it to us. We're all bent out of shape. If we only can receive it one way and then it takes a lot longer for the universe to bring it to us.
1: Absolutely. Oh, and I think this is a cool little segue into shamanic journeying. Um, uh, Talking so about that. <laughs> <laughs> So um, no, I could talk about manifestation all day. But uh, uh, when we are working with manifestation using the conscious mind, uh, like we said, it, it has a certain amount of power. Um, but the uh, subconscious is where all of that power lies. So, um, again, you know, say whatever you're trying to manifest is a new car or something. You can sit there and, and think all day about how what it's going to feel like to be in that new car etc but if you're doing so from this sort of um everyday ordinary uh consciousness um and uh uh, working from the same mindset that you are typical or you typically act from uh the, there's going to be a lot of resistance uh from the subconscious mind to try and manifest that because we have all these subconscious beliefs of oh i'm not worthy how is that going to happen blah blah, blah blah again these questions we shouldn't be asking uh and in shamanic journeying a lot of the time what we're trying to manifest is healing right uh so uh, we're trying to heal some aspect of ourself or others Uh, So what we do is by entering into that trance state and then exiting normal reality, uh, traveling through the realms of spirit, we're able to interact directly with those infinite realms, the realms of infinite possibility where where everything that could possibly be already exists in some way. And so uh, if we're trying to manifest some kind of healing, we can go and ask spirit directly the universe the subconscious uh, all of those things at once directly and we can interact and play with that world in a completely dynamic way whereas if we're just asking the question to ourselves of how can I heal or whatever you know uh, what energy can I allow to heal this particular ailment uh, we may sit and the subconscious mind is going to work well how much more dynamic is it to be in those realms and experiencing, a three-dimensional, four-dimensional world uh, that's responding to you in a very real and alive way. And so really dynamic work happens in that space. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> and while people
0: are waiting to be able to get to that space themselves, because not everybody can go there as easily as others, uh, but still asking the question in whatever space you're able to get to, that's where the real magic happens. It's getting out of it's really coming down to allowance. Like you mentioned, like everything that does happen or is available happens already in the ever-present moment and now it's all there. It's just a question of what you're in allowance of receiving. And most of the time when we don't have something in our life, it's not that the universe is unwilling or unable to provide it to us. It is we are not in the space where we're willing to receive it for whatever reason. And one of the things that sticks us the most that I'll speak to is something we call glass ceilings. So if you were taught, like one of the things my parents mentioned to me when I was little, because I asked, why don't we have a swimming pool, like the rich lawyer in our church, right? And the the water slide and all that. And I think the comment was something to the effect of, well, rich people need all that stuff because they're not really happy. So I learned as a kid, oh man, rich people aren't happy. So part of my subconscious is like, wow, if I have money, I'm not going to be happy. I don't want money. No matter how much I'm consciously trying to create it. Oh my gosh, my unconscious says we'd rather be happy than have money or money is the root of all evil or love of money is the root of all evil money corrupts all these, all these little things that get into the other than conscious or subconscious can create these glass ceilings where your unconscious creation out outweighs your conscious choice or your conscious declaration of will because more of you is really over here even though it's like the iceberg you you need to bring more of it to the surface to out manifest the subconscious stuff, and if you can start getting rid of the glass ceilings or sibling rivalry is a big one. Why can't you be like your brother? Now, if you if you've determined and concluded and agreed with the projected role from your parents that you're the misfit, and your other brother is always a successful one, you'll never allow yourself to create more than a sibling. So it's it's like getting rid of all that gunk that might be uh, stopping you that you don't even know about.
1: And a big part of healing or manifesting anything is just that. It's 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 less about Um, I think uh, learning how to do, uh, learning how to heal, learning how to manifest certain, and it's more about uh, unlearning, uh, unlearning all all of these things that we've been indoctrinated with from a young age. And there are so many, um, so many, even seemingly simple phrases that we're sort of programmed with that, uh, that really uh, shape our, our worldview and, 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 create those glass ceilings. Um, you know, like a, a big one is imagination. When people start to do this work, uh, I get asked the question all the time when I'm teaching people the journey of how do I know I'm not making this up? Or is this all in my head? How do I know this isn't just my imagination? Right? <laughs> and, and those phrases are in a way uh, sort of, des- I say designed um, to, uh, to create almost like a distrust with our own creative potential. Uh, You know, when we're sitting here, whatever whatever work we're doing uh, spiritually, for having this beautiful experience, you know, for a lot of people, there's that. uh, Even if it's so real, it's like it's almost as though it's it's right here in front of your face. Still, there's some part of the mind for many people that comes up and goes, "Well, I'm I'm probably just making this all up, so it doesn't matter." And then it's almost like you're taking the power away from from that whole experience. You're not really. Gaining anything from it or allowing yourself to go further. Um, so yeah, yeah, these 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 little seemingly simple phrases, uh, th- these simple questions that people ask yeah. of themselves that hold. Uh, they hold more power than people realize. Um, but when we recognize that they do hold that power, then that gives us the power to consciously try and work to get over that. <laughs>
0: yeah. My, one of my teachers is uh, Elaine Thomas. She's the foundational pastor at Fellowships of the Spirit in Milldale, New York. And uh, when she started doing the work, she used to visualize this temple, this pyramid of light around her house and asked that only people that wanted to heal and grow would find her. And she just put that out there every day. And she talks in class about a lot of the things he just said, like, what if I'm just making it up? And she's like, well, I was making it up. And then one day somebody came in and they said, what's this like energetic pyramid that's over your house about? And like somebody else is able to perceive that. So what if making it up is part of the creative process and you are making it up, you're willing, you're declaring your will into the universe and it's creating just because you don't see it with your physical eyes doesn't mean that it's not real.
1: I was uh, with a good friend of mine. We were um, walking through uh, Cuyahoga Valley National Park. And uh, we were just sort of playing with manifestation. And we knew it was around the time that uh, blackberries should be in season. Uh, And um, I'd never eaten wild blackberries before uh, at this point. I just had never really been confident enough to forage anything. But he was confident. And um, so we were talking about blackberries. And uh, so one of us put it out there. Okay, we're going to turn this corner, and there's going to be a blackberry bush right there. And sure enough, we turned the corner, and there's a blackberry bush right there. We sat there, uh, and it was, it was wonderful. Uh, but then he asked me, now, uh, was that blackberry bush there because we declared that it was and manifested it? Or did we perceive that it was there before we got there, and that's why we said that? And my answer was both. Uh, I think we're 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 simultaneously creating reality and perceiving it, um, and it's kind of a an interesting, pretty wild thing to think about. But even scientifically, uh, we know that the entire room that I'm seeing around me, uh, the voice that I'm hearing coming through the microphone, even the physical solid sensations, those are all just electrical signals interpreted by the brain. Uh, so we are always creating this reality, very literally, even from a super scientific standpoint. Uh, we're constantly creating it and perceiving it simultaneously. Uh, and when you really start to um, have direct experience with that and realize that um, you know, certain rules, uh, certain continuities that we were trained. Uh, that are a certain way. You start to realize you can sort of bend certain rules. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Then things get really magical. Very magical.
0: (laughs) There is a, a video, if you Google neuroscientist access consciousness, I forget the name of the doctor, uh, but he was doing topographical brain mapping of different energy modalities. And um, th- this was a talk about access consciousness. But towards the end of the video, they actually mapped a secondary nervous system riding on the lymphatic system that has seven groups of ganglia nerves. And they they all come to the top of the skin at the crown, the throat, third eye, like all where the chakras are, there's a oh, of wow. the nerve that actually come up to the to the top. And I forget the amount of time, but if you focus on an intention uh, for a certain period of time that you can actually track like how it's pulling energy in from the universe or from space, whatever you want to call it. And then it goes through the body and then it goes out at like five magnitude. Or I forget it's it's exponentially greater output than the input. But they were saying that this could be the beginning of mapping the process of manifestation and actualization, uh, (laughs) uh, like scientifically. So it's just kind of cool, like how science is catching up or starting to bridge over into the metaphysics. And you can actually speak to some of these things um, that are measurable now.
1: It's amazing. And I know they have, I've seen video, they have cameras that, correct me if I'm wrong. But I believe I've seen footage of cameras that are able to perceive or, or translate the uh, the energy around a human body into like actual colors that we can see on a screen. So in essence, f- through a physical video camera, they are able to show a person's aura, uh, which <laughs> I think is pretty incredible. Because, uh, you know, and there's, it's fascinating. There are still so many people uh, when you bring up the topic of, um, you know, energy or um you know, any spiritual experience or people that are well again going back to you know well you know how do you know people aren't just making that up well look well one we have physical instruments that can measure this stuff now so i, I but i think that's really exciting i think that's going to help to get a lot of people over that sort of initial hurdle of you know is any of that real because uh, when you get over that and then you actually start to explore an experience for yourself then then you're on the path to really discovering it incredible world opening up in front of you. Uh, But I think that those instruments, uh, 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 the scientific instruments we have to measure that sort of thing are just such an exciting uh fields and topic um i think that's amazing
0: i don't know the science behind it but i know melissa who owns a store next to the center um, they're closed now of course because of the coronavirus um but they have i think every sunday or photo readings where you put your hand on this little thing and then there's a camera and it will create the reports or it can actually even show you now here's some cool um something i can't speak personally i can't speak to the science of it but i know that i had this experience we, i was at a psychic fair where someone had like one of those um, medical aura ones where you could actually see reports and you could see the aura change right and so while one person was sitting in the chair i took my tuning forks which were so sil- for sylphagio which is one of the ones used to balance energy centers and i did a balancing session for them and when i was using the forks that were intended for the root chakra and the solar plexus like you could see the auric field changing colors appropriately for the process and you could <laughs> see the whole aura shift and even more fun, I could probably post this picture afterwards. There's a picture where someone went and they got an aura folder reading from goddess elite at a psychic fair before a session with me and after, and it was like a night and day difference. Oh, so, wow. so whatever the <laughs> sciences can't speak to that, but I do know that whatever it is, you can see a noticeable difference with what it's doing before and after you have energy work done.
1: That is so cool. I find that so incredible. And I, you know, uh, <laughs> I'll never forget. It was back when I uh, was first sort of learning about um, energy. Uh, I this is years and years ago. I had um, I, I was studying at a Zen temple, and um, the teacher there. I remember I I went to talk to him after the meditation session, and I said um, I've been studying quantum physics, and and it's amazing. Like these, they they know these. Uh, tiny you know the smallest particles uh electrons you know they blink in and out of existence and just explaining all this amazing mind-blowing stuff they're discovering and i s- said to this uh zen teacher i was like isn't that amazing isn't that like mind-blowing and he goes it, no not really we've known about that stuff for thousands and thousands of years <laughs> <laughs> so i felt a little defeated at the time but then you know but um but again it's just you know it's, it's this stuff that the shamans have been, have, been t- have known have had access to and have been working with these energies and these very real realities on uh, these multiple layers of reality outside of the physical uh you know uh, they've they've been here <laughs> they, they always have been and just now technology is i think we're really in a really exciting time because technology is just now starting to be able to um physically pick up on that stuff I don't know if physically is the right word there, but
0: (laughs) (laughs) But they're they're able to measure it and show something's happening. Well, even like Reiki, just to talk about something that people probably know a little bit more offhand than um, uh, Mike posted a link for the bars review. So anybody looking for that video we talked about, uh, Mike in the comments is posting the video. Um, But anyway, oh, now I lost my thought. Mike distracted me. Distractor implied. (laughs) Uh, What was I just saying? Um, Oh. Reiki. So the Cleveland Clinic did a double-blind placebo study on Reiki and they would even like hook the practitioner up or fake practitioner up to like uh, different things while they were doing it, the blood draws, all this stuff. And though they couldn't explain exactly how it was happening, they could see that something was happening. And if you go to the clinic for a surgery now or anything else, you actually can opt to have uh, Reiki services and have a a practitioner come to your room and offer energy healing at the Cleveland Clinic, which is like one of the medical meccas of the world. Uh, So that's a great testament to also show just how far all this, you know, things from Tibetan temples and things have really come in the world to be readily available and more and more accepted.
1: Yeah, it's it's very cool. And I, I actually have a uh, friend who works for, uh, they have now uh, uh, a different Locations for the Cleveland Clinic—they are like holistic health centers uh, where they almost entirely focus on alternative healing modalities. So not just Reiki, but uh, they bring people in uh, that do, um, you know, that teach yoga, do uh, do various forms of meditation, uh, different energy healing modalities like pranic healing, uh, shamanic healing, and um, and uh, I I, I think that stuff is all starting to be covered by insurance, which is something. that I think is really important because there are so many people that who uh, I think are interested in alternative healing and uh, exploring uh, energy healing, shamanic healing, all of this stuff. But um, you know, uh, they have good insurance that'll pay for them to just take a pill. So uh, you know, they're they're not willing to sort of step out of that comfort zone to make the commitment. So I think now that we've got these centers and, and like you said, even in hospitals, them offering as a part of their services, Reiki various forms of healing meditation, um, I think that that is going uh, to really start to shift the public perception, uh, because more people who I think uh, wouldn't have sought out these modalities are going to start to open up to it and experience the results. And then I think the word is, if it hasn't already, which I think it is, is really going to start to spread like wildfire, that all this stuff is out there and it's powerful. And And it's going to go viral. (laughs) Maybe not the best terminology right now. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, But it's exciting times. I really think we're, uh, uh, you know, we, we are in this, um, that sort of mass awakening or Ascension that people always seem to bring up. Uh, I think we're, we're in, you know, a very exciting point in history. I think uh, we're going to start to see at a very rapid rate um, people waking up all over the planet to the possibilities of uh, spirit and um, just, really rediscovering the ancient truths. I think this is like a crucial point.
0: One reason I think for that is when we are with our everyday lives and going through the hustle and bustle, we are an autopilot and you're not even the one brushing your teeth, the little robot is doing it for you. And as we take a complete step back from our quote unquote normal lives, it gives us opportunity to just sit you yourself and your soul and just see what comes up. So if you're home doing you know your social distancing and quarantining and all that, don't just turn the TV on. Like do what you're doing now. Hopefully watch things like this. Uh, just sit with yourself and and just ask what are the possibilities with the situation. What could I use? How how could I allow myself to grow and 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 become more from the situation that's currently in the world and see what happens. When you ask a question like that, it's like, boom. And, and the whole world can unfold around you. In my opinion.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I, I think what you, what you said, this whole busy mindset that people have of, uh, I think it was someone, uh, Oh, his grandma at the, uh, at the spirit lodge uh, brought up um, how you know, she lives in an apartment complex and she has all these neighbors who she knows by name, but, you know, anytime they're passing in the hall, you know, some people like almost don't want to give each other the time of day. We're so focused on do this, get to the next thing. Uh, You know, not only are we not connecting with each other, but I don't think we're connecting with ourselves. We're not, no one questions any, anything. Uh, So, uh, and uh, so this sort of mass quarantine that's happening on the planet is uh, sort of (laughs) like the, the universe putting us in time out in a positive way, you know, so we can yeah. reflect. Um, and,
0: and if you haven't, if you watch, um, there's videos on Venice, like dolphins in the in the waterways. It's just amazing how much the world has already uh, come back a little bit, just with partially pushing the pause button, people not driving around as much, and businesses and manufacturing shut down, like the pollution in China uh, is completely uh, different in just a couple of days. And I just wonder, you know, what contribution this is to the earth, just having this temporary pause and actually just being for a little bit instead of being human doings we actually can just be for a little while.
1: I think that's, a, I've learned a powerful lesson from uh, all of that uh, and, or, or received a powerful message, I should say. Um, and that is that, uh, you know, the earth has, vast vast powerful powerful healing capabilities and, and you know we always talk about you know how we need to save the planet and what can we do in the long term to you know reduce our emissions and slow down global warming and uh, you know it seems to be this monumental task that's just so big that like unless the world leaders decide this is happening then the earth is never you know we're, we're doomed or whatever but it's like you said you give the earth a day <laughs> you just chill out for a day and you and it you know, it very quickly starts to heal itself. Uh, but, uh, and I think another message that we get from that is, um, it, we can turn to the earth for our own healing. Um, you know, and, and that same powerful healing capability that is present in the earth is present within us. You know, if, uh, when you get a cut on your hand, you know, if you you just leave it alone, the cut seals and, and it'll completely heal itself. Uh, and, uh, and so yeah just taking time to be uh, you know we can heal just about anything physical emotional mental spiritual uh, but it's taking that time to be with it that's, that's what's really important
0: right. one thing with healing too that's just popping up sometimes people start to identify with whatever is the matter with them and uh, we call one term for this is called secondary gains and i have one lady who i asked her what do you love about your lupus and she's like, I don't love anything about my lupus. And she was like all anti the question at first. But then she thought about it. And she's like, you know what? Every time I don't want to do something, I blame it on the lupus. And I said, well, you know, maybe uh, you could just say no and you don't need to have lupus. And uh, there's more to the story, but her lupus is gone. The lupus for her dad is gone. And it really was her just shifting and letting go of what something she was identifying she needed from something. So like healing is, uh, is really dynamic. Uh, Different people get to where they are different ways and different things help to free you up and help you to move forward. And also realizing healing is not always a cure. Healing is sometimes just a change of perception. Um, Darlene DeStefano, who was a, the, the other author of the book I I authored uh, was she would say that HEAL is an acronym, helping everyone appreciate life. And just, if you have that ability to just shift their point of view just a little bit and increase that, that, that life quality, uh, that's really what it's about. And sometimes it's a miracle and sometimes it's just a subtle little shift in their point of view.
1: Absolutely. And um, just like you said, a shift in perception can really, it, it changes everything, uh, but it, it, it's seeming seemingly doesn't change anything at first. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's so, it can be so simple. Um, and you know, uh, uh I think uh, a big one is just, uh, stepping out of that constant thought stream. Right. And, uh, that, that identification we have with the mind. And I think that the reason we get so easily pulled along these, uh, is, you know, I ask people sometimes, uh, who, who, uh, stress out about all these really horrible things and they find themselves thinking about, you know, wh- why this relationship was, um, you know, so horrible f- from five years ago. And and I asked well, what, what are you gaining from thinking about that and contemplating right that and right now, is that really helping you? And, uh, mm-hmm. and for a lot of people, if, if you ask them, they can identify, uh, you know, it may start something really simple. You know, you're walking, uh, you know, in, in the grocery store or something and uh, someone passing by, you know, does something says something and you just have a simple thought of like wow that was annoying and uh and that little thought of that was annoying you know next thing is like yeah you know what speaking of annoying you know that guy yesterday he said something that was really annoying too i wish i would have said this to him and then the next thing you know you're from you're this horrible relation that had happened five years ago in your head going through these spirals of how this could have gone and but people don't They're not consciously aware of how they're getting pulled along. And so I think uh, one of the simplest shifts in perception that we can have, uh, but one of the most powerful, is uh, to realize that that constant stream of thoughts running through the head, that's not us. Um, There's something more constant there. There's there's something beyond that. Um, And it seems like this sort of really big, powerful realization that you have to have in order to really experience that. But it's the simplest thing. Uh, just, just really sitting there and being with your thoughts and meditation, you know, like mindfulness meditation, pay attention to your thoughts as you sit and thoughts arise and they come and go, you know, what's the constant that's there? What are you, what is it that's aware of those thoughts? Uh, and that begins the process of helping us to step out of identification with the thought stream. Um, and, and that's a really powerful thing. Uh, you know, at, at first it's a, such a simple shift. It's like nothing, nothing really changed. Uh, but at the same time, we've put ourselves in a position to instead of being pulled along wherever the mind wants to take us, now we can use the mind as a tool for creation of whatever we want, healing, manifestation of anything. But we have to step out of identification with it in order to use it as a tool consciously or else it's just using us.
0: And speaking a little bit to your example where the guy annoys you in the supermarket and the next day you're beating yourself up we have this tendency to judge ourselves based on current data like we, we judge past actions based on current data and and half the time we need to do that is because in the moment that we did whatever it was we're kicking ourselves for we were in reaction mode and not responding mode and through the pulls of of meditation and things you start to step back a little bit and when that the guy does start to be that energy that would annoy you now you're in a place of actual choice and you can respond to it instead of reacting it re- reacting to it and recognizing that that really wouldn't be what your choice should be if you were fully present in that situation and so meditation is a great tool and I'm looking forward to your meditation classes and, and <laughs> so people get a lot of benefit from Uh, getting those tools for themselves to continue to to get more of themselves back you know um, mark thomas he's my meditation teacher from fellowships and he would give this as an analogy for meditation like what you're really going for is to recognize that this silence is ever present like there's this underlying energy that's ever present and he related it to like a movie theater when you go to a movie theater before the movie starts And back in the day before they had a million commercials from the moment you walked in the door, right? But the screen was white and the screen represented the silence. And that's what you're going for in meditation. You're getting to where that screen is white. Then when you go about your day amongst the chaos and the illusion, your movie's playing, right? The screen is still is still white the silence is ever present amongst the chaos that you're perceiving and if you can remind yourself of that as you go about your day um, it, your whole experience just shifts because you're not going to get overwhelmed by whatever you're perceiving because you know it's all bs we are in the duality we're an infinite being from oneness in a place where we have the perception of being apart from one another and, mm. and, and duality and but if you can function in the duality, from the oneality, your whole life will become peace.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, just like you said, that 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 peace, the oneness, the isness, is is always there, no matter what. Even in the most chaotic since, situation, uh, where there seems to be extreme suffering, uh, and there's still uh, peace is underlying. It's the underlying space that allows all of that to happen. Uh, and yeah. You, Connecting, acting, being, identifying from that instead of this constant, fluctuating stream of thoughts. There's so much power in that, and then like that, I think ultimately that's what we're really trying to achieve in all of this healing, all of this work we do through meditating. All of this, um, we're really trying to manifest that peace, that that remembering of who we are, that, that remembering that we are the space. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, I think uh, uh, I think it's 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 so important to have tools to help us to reconnect with that, and and the shamanic meditation, any kind of meditation, uh, I think is um, is an excellent way to start to rediscover.
0: Okay, we've got a few minutes left for our planned hour. I know we have still a couple of people who have stuck with us, or maybe they're just new people that came in halfway through, and the old people left us. But <laughs> if anybody has questions or things that you want to. Uh, Contributor comment about: We got a few minutes left. If you want to uh, throw anything you'd like to know about in the comments, we'll be happy to speak to it. Um, but part of our, our reason for doing all this is just in a world that's kind of on lockdown, wanting to offer just a little bit of of inspiration. And also, I think hopefully, people have gotten some tools from our dialogue today that you could use to go out immediately and, and start to um, change your life. Just like the question, how does it get any better than this? If you took one thing away from our whole talk, that one sentence, uh, repeating that question over and over again throughout your day can shift everything and put you on this upward spiral possibility. So uh, definitely. Any, any key things, uh, takeaways that you want to reemphasize as we kind of close, get to the uh, close of our time here?
1: So um, uh, less re-emphasizing and something that I feel like I should have brought up more, uh, but when talking about these shifts in perception, uh, I think gratitude is extremely important. Um, When we're in that sort of victim mindset and, uh, you know, focusing, we're having trouble raising our vibration or getting ourselves out of focusing on the negative, the things that we don't want. Gratitude is such a powerful tool to shift your perception and bring you into a higher vibrational state. Even if it's something really simple you're grateful for in the moment. You know, I'm sitting here, whatever, you're having a cup of tea. Thank you for this cup of tea. It's so warm and delicious and beautiful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That little bit of gratitude will instantly shift your perception. And then you can really start to, um, to, to play and create from a much better space. And, so grant, uh,
0: and if oh. you can't be grateful, uh, bake it till you make it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I've been sober 14 years, I think, give or take. Um, and one of my first uh, AA meetings, my sponsor told me self-pity and gratitude cannot coexist. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, even if it's even if you think it's BS, anytime you're in like, you know, self pity mode, whatever you're in self pity about, rephrase it. So, like, uh, one of them was, uh, you know, there was somebody else that I really wanted to help. And he's like, well, just be thankful that you're sober. And if and when. They're willing to receive help. You're in a space where you can give it, and like just like rephrasing questions like that. And at the beginning, it didn't. It, I didn't feel grateful at all. But there, there came this shift. Like I just kept with it, and there came a turning point where instead of just playing a word game, I actually went to a space of gratitude. So, so be be grateful in the moments you can, and in the moments that you can't, fake it. And eventually, you shift, and you will actually be grateful for it, even when your son breaks your favorite flute. And smashed it on the floor, and be like, "Oh no!" You know, even for those moments, you'd be like, "Well, I'm grateful that he reminds me that you know nothing's permanent."
1: <laughs> <laughs> that sounded the uh, uh, like like that came from personal experience there. <laughs> I,
0: I it up, but it could very easily have happened. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, yeah, like, but yeah, gra- gratitude, gratitude is. I, if I could, if I could, um, uh, if if there was one thing I wish that everyone would focus more on especially in these days when there's so much fear and uh, so much focus on uh, things like scarcity and uncertainty um, I get just gratitude you know be thankful that, that that'll that'll get you out of all of this you know and you shift your perception you focus on gratitude and the whole world will start to change around you just change the within and the without Will will follow suit.
0: Brings up a prayer that maybe that, or you can call it an intention, call it a prayer, but it would be a great note to to kind of wind down on. There, it's a prayer called the Set Aside Prayer. Have you ever heard of it? I haven't. No. Okay, so it all it starts with all gratitude, and uh, this was used back. Uh, I, I heard it in the Back to Basics workshop, um, but anyway, you start with I give thanks, dear Lord God Source Infinite Spirit, whatever you want to uh pray to you pray the sweet baby Jesus whoever it is uh, <laughs> you're going to say infinite spirit God mother father God uh, we give thanks for for the food in our stomachs, the clothing on our backs, the shelter of our heads and the air in our lungs and we ask that you help us set aside everything that we think we know about religion, about politics, about healing, about health, about viruses, about everything you want to put in there so that we can have an open mind and experience the truth.
1: That's beautiful. (laughs) I love it.
0: A lot of times we are basing our things on past data, and the the things that we have points of view on might be something that our parents stuck us with or friends stuck us with, and it's not even really truly our point of view. We just bought it. And if we can set all that stuff on the shelf for just a moment, we might just have our own spiritual experience and come to our own knowing. And that's what it's really about. Don't take our word for any of this. Go and sit with it and come to your own realization. Because if you align and agree with us, you're just as stuck as if you rejected everything you said. <laughs> <laughs> like you're, you're, you're taking something in definition and conc- conclusion. You know, I'm talking with my hands and they're below the t- computer so no one can even see them. <laughs> But they say that good points of view stick you more than bad points of view because you're settling. And if you say, oh, yeah, this is it, this is all I'm going to do, and you don't pause for a moment and have your own question and dialogue with spirit, what would create the greatest change and possibility in my life and come to your own awareness, you're just as stuck as someone that says those guys are full of shit.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, direct experience. You know, that's what shamanism is really about, you know, the difference between this and uh, and religion or science or, or you know, on. Or whatever you have, uh, is that we we encourage direct experience. So through these shamanic meditations, you know, I'm encouraging people to directly communicate with spirit for their own healing. You know, I'm not telling people what kind of experience they're going to have, and, and trying to uh, force my own way of healing onto someone. It's you know, you go there and find find out yourself. And I think really direct experience is the only way to to grow, and um, and uh, to really discover our own healing, our own, our own true path. So yeah. Yeah.
0: And, the true paths, by the way, are never one that you're following. It's the one that you're trailblazing because no one's walking before you.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. That's a great phrase. Well, yeah.
0: so, um, uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and hanging in there uh, for the whole hour or coming and going, or if you're catching this on the replay, thank you so much for uh, taking your time to uh, spend with us here. And I will be posting a link. Uh, we don't have Casey's Registration link up yet on our website, but it will be at hhh.life. And uh, you can, um, he's going to be doing meditations starting next Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday, uh, just doing little guided meditations. Well, I I don't even want to say guided, I don't know that they're guided. He's going to be doing meditations and uh, whatever's going to create the greatest possibility in that hour that he's going to be working with you. That's what he's going to do, I'm sure. And every day might be different.
1: Yeah, yeah. And they are. They're, they're um, a sort of adaptation of a style of journeying. Uh, obviously, since we're doing it in a sort of group setting, they are more of a guided meditation. But they are based on my experiences with shamanic journeying. So it's kind of a journey guided meditation hybrid. Uh, but they tend to be really powerful for people. So I encourage anyone who feels called to join. It'll, it'll be a great time.
0: And uh, and if you like this, uh, I think we'll be doing this again. I think you had fun. I had fun.
1: Absolutely. It was a great All, time. I'm,
0: I'm going to be doing it every day. I don't know if it's always going to be at noon. Um, I just kind of, we picked it and then we ran with it, but it might be at different times of day. If in the comments, you know, a different time would work, hey, let us know. Maybe we'll try to be on when more people can. Uh, can receive. And the great thing is this is all archived on the HHH Facebook page and our YouTube channel. Uh, So if you want someone to have the opportunity to watch what you watched, uh, please share it. They can go back. It's going to be there. Um, It's there for all of eternity.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And thank you. Thank you everyone for watching and and giving us your attention and energy. Thank you so much.
0: Yep, Thank y'all. And we'll see you maybe tomorrow. (laughs)